Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut. And I am your host, John Patrick Bully. With me, as always, is a guy I call not Sean, but Pete Paguaga. Not Sean, Pete, how are you? Good, good, good. Uh, kind of a little slow week last week. Uh, you know, a lot of conferences on buys and got a lot of more conferences on buys coming up this week. So I think, you know, it's the mid-season, but not, it's not the mid-season yet. I don't want to jump too far ahead. But for like us, this is kind of like a little bit of our slower time which is kind of nice but also really? there's a thousand things that have to get done for some reason i feel like i'm doing just as much work this week than i am <laughs> and no one wants to hear it but i feel like i did just as much i mean maybe there was one game i went to the saint joe game new Canaan saint joe in the rain where you did all you and dave stewart did all the work and i just kind of hung back talked a little hung out with shelton you can see a little bit here me and the guy you know talking to the guys talking about their Crazy 27 and nothing went over Notre Dame. It certainly, certainly wasn't North Haven. They need to work for that one. And all the Shelton guys, you know, in that umbrella. And I get a text from Mike DeFelice saying, like, I uh, hope, uh, you know, hope you guys, you know, you guys talk about, you know, good things over there. Nothing, nothing bad. And I said, of course. And I go, by the way, yeah, do you think you guys could spring for another umbrella for these guys? These poor guys are sitting out in the rain getting pneumonia. Next thing you know, you're going to have half the team out. Come on. Nice job. I, I'm going to, I'm going to vouch for them. Um, I feel like, boys don't care if they have an umbrella or not. Like there was a lot. I don't think I've ever used an umbrella until I became an adult. Like I used it as a kid. And then from like, maybe like nine to like 22, I was just like, I don't need an umbrella. It's just water. I used to never wear a jacket because I was afraid that I would leave it whenever I took it off. 
yeah, which I, I've I, lost I, numerous jackets. Yeah, I know. I never had cared that much. But these guys, they look cold over there. Look at them. They're all huddled underneath. They can barely fit. They're all huddled, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. So, but uh, shout out Shelton. They're big podcast watchers. They said they gather every day, every uh, week. I think Thursday, five o'clock and watch the whole thing. So God bless guys. Yeah, keep staying. There. They have a lot of questions for us, but we'll get to those later. But anyway, but you know, they had a big game uh, this week, uh, but the big game for us uh, all weekend, I think pretty much was obviously West Haven at Hamden. The anticipated return of Cam Kemp in a West Haven uniform to his old haunt. I mean, it was just late August. He was scoring touchdowns in the preseason for uh, for the Green Dragons. And then all of a sudden, one week later, he's in a West Haven uniform. And, uh, you know, there were uh, it was an interesting homecoming, so to speak. And it was oddly he Hampton's senior night. I guess they have one more game before the Green Bowl. So and that's in November. So they decided to have senior night for all the players and the cheerleaders and everything. But, uh, you know, and uh, obviously uh, Hampton. And Hamden, you can see the stands are somewhere in New Jersey. It's one of the worst constructed decisions, worst construction decisions of all time. But uh, it was homecoming for Camp Camp, unbeknownst to us at the time, who was celebrating his 18th birthday, playing against his former teammates and coach at Hamden. And while everybody was focused on Camp, who did we forget about but Nick Conlon, the West Haven quarterback you've been talking about him all year, Pete. Torches everybody, finding Devontae Eddy for the quick strike 35-yard touchdown and a 6-0 lead. Hamden, which welcomed back quarterback J.J. Gibson, who missed the last three weeks because of surgery on his non-throwing left arm, actually drove the Dragons to the West Haven 10, but they gave up the ball on downs. Nick Conley goes back to work. It's a few plays later. Hamden bites the fake to Camp Kemp. Conlon goes in on touch, 12-0 lead. Next Hamden possession. It's a fumble! Jaden Franklin pounces on it, and on the last play of the first quarter, Conlon, of course, Takes the camp on the sweep, then follows Jaron Cox, dances out of a couple tackles, and races down the left side for a 40-yard touchdown run and a 20 to nothing West Haven League. Now, if you've heard this one before, you have. Last year, West Haven also took a 20 to nothing lead handed. This was old half of them. No big thing. J.J. Gibson who uncorks two big passes down to the West Haven one. Charles Hebron punches it in from there, and now it's 20 to seven. Dragons get the ball back with a chance to make it a one-score game. Shijuan Young with the great fourth down catch down to the West Haven 30. But with time running down in the half, Corian Harris gets his hand on a pass, tipped it to Andre Andravion Dave Dixon. Excuse me, Andravion Dixon. West Haven takes over and with 11 seconds left at the at their own 36, Camp Kent rips off a 64-yard touchdown run on a simple trap play. 26 to 7 West Haven. Happy birthday, Camp Camp. At the break, it was halftime, and despite Ed, Coach Ed McCarthy's constant worrying, that was effectively that. Hamden never got within two touchdowns again. West Haven goes on to win 47-21. Colin adds another TD run. Avion Graham gets a pick six. Westies undefeated, and according to Camp Camp, the dub was all he wanted for his birthday. And according to him, all's fair and loving football, and everybody's hanging out back at his house for a little birthday cake and uh, and pie, I'm sure, give or take. 
All right, how weird was that? <laughs> uh, a lot of emotions, I'll say. Like, I, don't, I wasn't even really, really ready. I, I could barely even speak right now. I'm, I'm just happy. It's my birthday, I got the dub. What did we have to do? Tell me about that last TV before the half. They were kind of really focusing on you. You know, yeah. how how badly do you want to score number one, and then especially at the end of the half? Uh, to me, it wasn't really about scoring. I just wanted to come out here and get the dub. You know, yeah, all the focus was on Nick. Nick was doing his thing. Yeah, my opportunity came. I just took it. Did you get that? You talked to any of those dudes over there? Any of your boys? Uh, yeah, we, it was a little chit chat during the game. You know, they, there's a little emotional about me leaving. So, yes, yeah. We, but other than that, we good. Everybody coming to meet up at my house later. So. Was there anything you had to say about to him going into this game? I know it's kind of emotional for him and stuff. Or did you, what Here's what I said to him. Happy birthday. Today's his birthday, so. Yeah, no, I didn't have any special uh, speech or anything. He's a professional. He's a senior that's been in big games and been in big situations. He knows how to handle it. He's got uh, a lot of class and he's a good sportsman. He understands what it is. Nick scoring, you know, doing his thing, kind of took a lot of pressure off a lot of guys. Huh? A lot of guys. Nick is always, Nick is the hub of that wheel. Everyone else is a spiritual of him. They're all great players. But without Nick, they don't have a chance to be as great. And uh, two years ago, Hamden beat us here in overtime. And I had to tell my starting quarterback, who I loved, that a freshman was going to take his spot. And it was a terrible weekend for me. And it was a hard, hard decision. But I think Nick's lost three games since then. So I thought we uh, lacked discipline tonight. And that's a reflection of me. And I got to do a better job cleaning this up with our, our troops here. Um, I couldn't be more proud of my kids for how hard they played. They didn't give up. We're out to score as we kept on coming. I thought we moved the ball well in chunks tonight. But when it came down to it, um, you know, it seemed like, you know, we had a false start or we ran the wrong pattern and the tip drill happened. So there's things that happen like that. In order to, to beat decent teams, you, you're going to have to be able to finish drives and not turn the ball over. We did that tonight. And that's stuff that I got to work on with my staff and my players to make sure we eliminate. Cam, I guess everyone seemed to handle it well. I mean, other than he scores a TD and everyone's like, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah. how do I feel seeing him now? Yeah, Player on another team scored a touchdown. Good for those guys. Obviously, Hamden coach Tom Dyer still a little sore about about it. Not really saying much, although they're saying that Cam Kemp now is just another player. But I will say this, beat Cam Kemp was right. A lot of his former teammates were giving him pats on the back, saying happy birthday. They were all pretty cool with it. You know, I, I don't necessarily blame him, anybody for being kind of sore on it. He did leave right before the season. But, you know, at this point, uh, let's let's let bygones. Well, we don't really know what happened there. It's a family issue. He says, you know, what can you do? You know, he's a high school kid. I mean, yeah, I, I, the big question I have is, is what kind of cake was it? Was it like a like a baked cake with like frosting? Uh, uh, was it like an ice cream cake? Like me, I like ice cream cake better. Um, what what was the candle situation? Is it 18 candles or is it a one candle and an eight candle? Those are the those are the questions I have. Uh, so Cam, just let me know, uh, for your ice cream cake or like, you know, a cake cake kind of thing. It might've just been cupcakes, Maybe. man. That's what I was just about to say. It might've just been cupcakes, but I need to know what the dessert situation was on Friday night. Yeah. Well, I'm maybe that will leave some things unknown here. <laughs> I'm, 
But uh, so there it is, Pete. West Haven, Hamden, uh, the Westies undefeated. They're ranked number two. And uh, speaking of polls, we let's just jump right into it now. Uh, let's take a look at the latest top ten poll. Last week we had a wait a week because of we had a day because of of uh, because of Greenwich. Starting at the top, going up. Bloomfield is number ten. They were idle last week and now idle this week uh, until Northwest Catholic in ten days. Number nine is Darianne, idle last week. Somehow Pete gets moved up to number nine, taking Bloomfield's spot. We'll have Andy Grant on in a little bit to talk all about that, plus his team's prospects playing against Greenwich on Saturday. Number eight is Ansonia, goes into the bye by ripping Wolcott 35 to nothing. They have two weeks to prepare for Holy Cross, which took its time beating uh, WCA last week. Down 13 to nothing, ripped off 42 straight points. Ron Florian with a nice uh, three, sparked the rally with three touchdowns. Uh, Holy Cross will go into the bye having to prepare for number eight, Ansonia. At Jarvis, October 20th. Number seven, Staples, which dropped from number six while remaining idle. That might be the least of their worries, if we're all being really honest here. We'll see when they face Wilton Saturday at two. Number six is New Canaan, which just ripped past St. Joseph. What was it? 42 to nothing in a game that we both attended and both left at halftime. Rams are on a four-game win streak and have scored 168 points in those four games since losing to Shelton 26-23 in the opener. Number five is Newtown, 4-0, also idle last week. They faced New Fairfield on Friday. Number four is Maloney, and man, Pete, how about your boy Dante Kelly returning two punts for touchdowns to go with two previous kickoffs for TDs as the Spottons rip Glastonbury, the team that beat them last year, famously in overtime. 41 to nothing. They got a bye this week, facing New Britain in two weeks. Number three is Cheshire. Another little bit of a slow burn that only amped up late. 41-6 victory over Amity. They still have a first-place vote picked up last week. And next is Hamden on Friday. And then finally, of course, number two, West Haven, which we just talked about. And they they get two weeks off to prepare for North Haven, which ripped Fairfield Prep with Adam Pandolfi. Was that 28-7? Uh, and number one is Idle Greenwich, which, of course, faces Darian Saturday at two o'clock. Pete, your thoughts on the top 10. Ooh, a lot of shifting. Um, I thought I might see a couple of more first place votes for West Haven. Right? We're kind of at the point of the season now where I think some voters not get uneasy, but like we all voted Greenwich preseason number one, right? We one person voted Ansonia one. That person has stuck with Ansonia. We saw one vote go to Cheshire. I think that was a week ago. I thought maybe we'd see some votes maybe start to go the West Haven way. I know there's a lot of people that are talking about it. It's something we we will address later. But we're kind of getting to that point in the season with the buys. And um, it's going to make uh, – it's kind of crazy looking at – we have, I guess, a lot of undefeated teams left, but not a lot of undefeated teams left at the same time. Um, but a lot's going to be to- – a lot is going to be decided in the next two weeks as well. That's really going to help shake this out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people are starting to look at West Haven. Should they be number one? Where are we going to put them? Um, you know, let's just put it this way. Greenwich, they have a top five win over uh, over Maloney. West Haven has beaten two ranked teams, one of them being Shelton last week, which was a very good win in the rain. Uh, you know, and then they beat Hamden, which is still a pretty good team. Uh, Greenwich plays Darianne. We'll find out. Maybe maybe Darianne's got some surprises for him. 
Speaking of Darian, let's just go to our guest straight off and uh, get uh, Andy Grant on here, the first-year coach of the Blue Wave, right now. Joining us on the show is, of course, the head football, first-year head football coach of the Darian Blue Wave, ranked number nine this week. You're slowly, you didn't play last week, you're slowly itching up back up the rankings. It's uh, Coach Andy Grant. Andy, welcome to the Meat Grinder. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I, I uh, appreciate moving up in the rankings without playing a game, so... Um, it's it's a good feeling. We call that uh, we call that respect. You've got getting lots of respect, which uh, which hey, listen, you guys are undefeated so far. You, you didn't play week one, which uh, you know, I'm sure was a bummer for the rest of you guys. But uh, you know, for a first year head, co- well, yeah, first year head coach, been with the program for a while, but a first year head coach, you know, did that was that was that week one by kind of a well, what was it for you? Did you did you like it? Did it, you know, give you a little a chance to breathe a little more? You know, start your first game. Well, how did you guys handle that? Yeah, it, that certainly wasn't the head coach's manual uh, that I was I was trying to go by. Um, it was tough. I mean, it was an hour before our buses were about to leave. We got the call that they uh, weren't going to play the game. Brought the kids in. Just an emotional roller coaster for the for the kids for the coaching staff. We put a lot of time in. <clears throat> to that and so coming off that was a was a tough friday afternoon um i made him come out the next morning at around seven o'clock and we, we had a pretty good practice um to try to get to shake it off and, and move on uh, but there certainly was a bit of a soft point of, of our of our emotions and it was just a tough tough week um but luckily we got to play the following week and, and we've played ever since um hasn't been the the smoothest of of first four games with with weather and a forfeit and um all sorts of different issues popping up but but it is what it is and, and we're continuing to to push on and look forward to this weekend well yeah well tell me about your guys this year um you know I mean, you've been with the program for geez for the last 10 years you know as an assistant came you, your first starting job was at Massic. we talked a little bit offline your first starting job was at Massic during that great 2011 a team that they had. They played hand, obviously, the eventual state champions in that crazy game at Ken Strong Stadium, Casey Cochran's uh, senior year. And then uh, and then you ended up at Darien. And, and uh, well, first of all, tell me, first of all, tell me about uh, how you ended up at Darien. Um, and then, you know, what it's been like and then finally becoming a head coach. And how did you uh, ended up uh, taking over for uh, for Mike? Yeah, so I um, I was with Mike uh, at Massac and then he brought me along to uh, Darian to be the secondary coach. Uh, I was with Mike for Mike and Rob for for ten years, and Mike for for two more. And then when Mike moved on, I I uh, took over the head job. Um, yeah, that that 2011 uh, massive hand game was brutal. I, we felt like we knew everything was coming, and um, we knew when they were going to blitz. We knew everything, but it they just were a powerhouse, and it, yeah, that was one of the, the biggest buck kickings I've ever, I've ever taken. And we had a great team and they were just loaded. Yeah. Um, it was, it was pretty impressive. But I, as far as I, you know, what did you, so that was a long, that was ages ago, but what, what did you learn for being at Darien for the last, you know, 10, 15, 10, 12 years? Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing I've taken from, from Rob and Mike is just the precision and the detail that goes into what they did on a weekly basis, the preparation, um, Rob was was unbelievably prepared. 
um, down to every single detail. <clears throat> Mike had that same passion for just nonstop film. Um, his energy was through the roof for, as a as a head coach. Uh, his passion for the game, and so I, I try to take a little bit of what I learned from those two guys and and bring that with me uh, as as my own head coaching style. Did you envision yourself one day becoming the Darian coach? That just kind of like happened. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I envisioned it five years ago or or three years ago. Um, but I think when Mike left, I I really wanted to to keep some consistency within the program and um, had a lot of feedback from the players, families, the community. That just my style it was something that the community and and the players wanted, and and I. Uh, applied and, and fortunately I got the job and I've had a great time ever since. So Darian last year, long time had not, had not, not made the playoffs, double negative, but that was the first time they had missed the playoffs in uh, at least 10 years. As far as I can remember, like I think, I think 2012, I think the first year you were there, they didn't, did they make it there? No, they didn't. So we did uh, in that year, but we, we beat uh, new Canaan in the, the Turkey bowl. So it salvaged a, uh, a six and four season. Right. But that was the last time. And anyone in Darian ex experienced anything like that, I'm sure it was pretty jarring. You know, being a head coach now, you got to, you know, a lot of pressure on you to maybe kind of get the program back into a new level. What kind of things did you go in and make changes to kind of make this your team and make this your, you know, without with also trying to keep the same kind of foundation? Is it what kind of changes did you make, coach? And, uh, you know, and what's worked out for you so far? We've tried to bring a lot of things in house. Um, our weightlifting program, we've um, worked out every single morning at the at the high school this year for the first time. Uh, so we were able to bring that in house and, and have the kids all working out in the same place uh, every morning during out the throughout the summer. Brought in new uh, coordinators. We have a new defensive coordinator and new offensive coordinator. So our style is a little bit different than than people are used to. Um, and I think the culture has changed um, in the last month and a half of, of just being a um, very – we're trying to be a very physical uh, team, practice hard, uh, play hard within practice, and, and keep the level of intensity high. So so when we get to a game situation, um, it's that same level of physicality um, that we've, we've been going at each other all week in practice. How many, uh, you know, how many guys were back from that? I mean, you don't seem like you have a lot. It's like almost like you're almost starting fresh here, right? Yeah. Um, I think uh, three guys that stayed on the staff and I think um, nine new. Um, so it's been a, a much different feel than I've had the last 11 years in Darien with just new faces and new personalities. Um, but I think the kids are, re are really responding to the, to the coaching staff. Did you say uh, you had Matt Walsh there? Uh, as a yeah. <laughs> uh, go back in time when, when Han put a beating on Masek, he, he was right there. Um, yeah, he, he brings a lot of intensity to practice. Um, he's dripping in sweat, uh, running the drills basically with the kids. You run a pursuit drill with that guy, and, and he's ripping around the field just like it was in 2011. Yeah. He was a monster. The other guy who was great in that game was Joe D. Michelle, that kid, the big yeah. lineman. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And a lot of kids, a lot of hits on, on Casey that day. Uh, you know, it was a really, really tough game. You know, obviously defended champions, and it was like SEC versus the SWC. And, you know, <laughs> that game was nuts, you know, as much as I love to reminisce about it. Um, but uh, uh, 
So, I mean, as far as the kids go, you know, who's been really, you know, uh, who are the, who've been your main guys who's kind of stepped up for, for the blue wave so far? Yeah. Defensively um, it's been a real balanced attack. I think um, obviously everyone wants to point to Gorlamo with, I don't know, six or seven interceptions and a, a fumble recovery with, with those stats, it stands out. Um, I mean, he's been, he's been fantastic. And, and the secondary is, is held up uh, with really only um, Gerlamo being, being the main starter for, back from last year and, and Morgan Rubenstein at corner, but all new linebackers and, and a host of new defensive linemen, they, they've really held up pretty well um, in a fairly new scheme. Um we're asking different things of, of different players and, and they've held up, but um, across the board defensively, I, I, everyone's really kind of pulling their weight uh, offensively. Um, I think two guys from last year took snaps, uh, Jack Stewart, Jackson Davenport, um, and a couple of the receivers had a role in and out, but uh, really those are the two main guys and um, roll up and, Cunningham at quarterback have kind of had a dual opportunities and, and they'll continue to do that. They do things really well. Um, they do different things really well, I should say. And and I, we've been pleased with what they've done. And obviously people get the attention of Tom and Roach uh, just because they're, they're mass and their massive size and, and <laughs> their difference making. Um, but, but again, we, I feel like we're a really balanced attack offensively. Um, people always want to talk about, talk about those two and, and yeah, they play a huge role in our game planning and, and play a big role in, in what we do, but, um, it's been great to see everyone have a, have a, a part in what we're doing. You know, you, you mentioned the two quarterbacks in Declan and, and Ben, and, and you say they do two, di- you know, they do different things. Well, how, how is the relationship between the two? Because, I'm sure one, I'm sure they, you know, one of, you know, I'm sure they want to be the quarterback, right? But, you know, here they are splitting time, you know, how, how is the relationship between the two of them? Obviously Declan is a senior and Ben is a sophomore as well. Uh, I would say they, they probably didn't come into this season that close uh, with a relationship, but one of our points all summer uh, with our workouts and in August um, was that this quarterback room is, it's got to be a place where you guys motivate each other on a daily basis. It can't be something where you're tearing each other down or, or talking to the team about what you do better than the other one. Um, and from, from what we've seen, that's just been a very positive experience. Um, they talk to each other when they come off the field, they talk to each other uh, throughout practice. It's, it's a constant line of communi- communication between the two of them um, on things they see and things that they're reading Um so yeah, it could, it could definitely go wrong um, when when you're running this style of of two quarterbacks. And um, but what I've seen is, is two kids that have been great teammates, great leaders, uh, and just pushing each other and themselves to be the best they possibly can. And then obviously, you come out your first. I mean, how many more plays are we going to see? The first play against Brian McMahon, you got both of them on the field. Yeah. And you throw the little a little uh, shake interception there. But... Yeah. He threw an interception. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring that up. But you know, you had them both out on the field uh together on the first play of the on the first play of the year. Yeah, and I think that's a, just a, a tribute to how hard they both have worked in the preseason. Uh wanted to give them both an opportunity to get on the field. Um 
like I said, like I said, we we need to find spots for for Ben and find spots for for Declan. Um, and little by little, uh, you start to kind of get the rhythm of a game, and and uh, they understand that. Um, depending on what the defense is doing and how we're playing and, and what the scheme tells us, but um, yeah, I like to see a lot of quarterbacks on the field uh, for on our side and uh, not give not have that on on uh, opposing teams because it's quite a headache. What do you do, Coach, with a 6'8", 225 kid on your roster? I mean, he yeah. can play pretty much anywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, he he does. In he's a he's a force, and and I know um, it's tough to tough to kind of hide him in certain situations because he stands <laughs> out so much. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the beauties is we have a six six kid who stands right next to him. Um, so, so maybe you get lost on which one to which giant to cover. Um, I mean, he he does everything for us. He he blocks. He goes in the backfield. He he he's out on the outside. Um, we, we've been really really happy with just his development from from sophomore to junior year. He, he takes really good care of his body. Um, it's a lot of body to take care of. So, uh, well, well he, he how how much how much did he grow in the last year? Yeah, I wouldn't say he grew all that much. Probably an inch and a half. Mm. Um, he was pretty big as a sophomore, um, and and so it, we knew we had a large body. It was just a matter of how we how athletic and uh, how could he work on his hands and his footwork and his his moving in space. And he puts in a lot of time and a lot of effort. Is he is he is he a football guy or does he play? Yeah, I, I I think that he's definitely not a basketball guy, but he's. Uh, I think more and more he's he sees uh, football in his future, uh, so he's been pretty happy with with football over the last uh, four or five months. Your third game of the season against your typical scrim usually scrimmage Fairfield Prep at the end of the se- at the end of the preseason. It's like your last you know your last preseason game. Uh, it's live and you guys usually play it live. But how was that playing that game? They were I think they were zero and two at the time. And uh, you didn't really know about what you guys had with them. How big was that game for you? I mean, for, for you guys to just give up just a safety. That was it. That was it. Uh, you know, uh, how did you uh, how did that game really kind of propel you? I mean, that was kind of a unique game. We Again, Fairfield Prep's been really struggling. But at the time, you know, it was still pretty big yeah. for you guys. Yeah, it was a big win. I, it, I mean, you have the schedule that Prep's played zero, week one through week five has been is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a slugfest for them every week, and, and they are big, they're fast, they're physical. Um, at the time, they, they had just come off the, a hand loss. <clears throat> so we knew they were be motivated, and it, and it was a really physical high school football game, one, one of the more physical ones I've seen in my in my tenure um, in Darien. It was just very physical, very downhill. Uh, put us in a really good spot emotionally and mentally. And um, You only scored 10 points, but the offense – seal the deal. They had a seven minute drive in the third quarter and in a nine minute drive um, in the fourth quarter was able to control the clock in a game that we, we weren't able to put a ton of points up, but uh, they were able to um, drive down the field on, on two separate occasions and just crush the clock, which put us in a really great spot. Yeah. Uh, we learned a lot from that game just in terms of the toughness, toughness of our kids. And I, I think they responded really well um, to a, to a uh, competition of that, that magnitude. So you have a, and how was that Norwalk game? You get to see Mike again. <laughs> that was kind of obviously they're they're struggling, but uh, how was that? Uh, you know, it was coach yeah, that it, game. 
it was uh, interesting to see Mike and, and Dave as defensive coordinator across the field instead of standing next to me. Um, it, I was just glad to get out of there. It was on a Friday night where it was just pouring. So uh, I think I think we just shook hands at the end and just everyone wanted to get the teams off the field as quickly as possible after the monsoon we had just sat through for, for three hours. Um, yeah, not a lot of time for chit. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, the wind, the wind, and the driving rain in the face was like, all right, we'll talk to each other on uh, on the phone uh, over the next few days. Tell me about uh, look, like you guys again. You didn't get the North Haven game. McMahon gave you a little bit of a scare. You guys got out of that one, you know. And then since then, you guys been kind of lying in the weeds a bit. Now you can't hide anymore. Speaking of not hiding, now you can't hide anymore. Uh, you got number one Greenwich this weekend, Saturday. You know, what's uh, how do you match up against them? What do you like? What what do you like from what, what scares you about them? And how do you see this one going? This is a big time FCAC rivalry. First big game, I guess, of your yeah. uh, of your coaching career and first big game for a lot of your kids. I mean, obviously, Greenwich is um, big, physical. Um, they have the ability to, to obviously run the ball. Uh, they have deep threats. So they're pretty well balanced offensively, uh, defensively. I mean, from what I've seen, probably the best defense in the state up to this point. Um, they have a lot of uh, large bodies, physical linebacking linebackers. So we need to find our spots. We need to find um, places that we can we can move the ball and in places we can uh, take our shots. Um, they're very well coached. They have um, good coaches across the board. I mean, a lot of bodies over there that. that really kind of manage the the flow of of the game uh so for us it's a, it's a challenge and, and i look forward to that challenge i think we do some things really well uh help us match up uh well against them i, I we'll see it's gonna like you said it's gonna be a a, a big showdown at, at a time where there's not a lot of other games going on in high school football on a saturday at two um i think greenwich likes that and it, it puts them in the in, in the limelight and we look forward to that challenge. We'll be there for sure for those lovely two o'clock games lovely. down at Greenwich. Um, you know, nothing like working all night Friday and then having to do it ugh, late on Saturday again. But, you know, coach, what do you what do you tell the kids, you know, heading into a game like that? Obviously, it's been a funky start, but this is, you know, kind of the big one. And and you go, you know, it starts with Greenwich. You got Wilton in two weeks, New Canaan. You know, after that, the 4-0 starts great, right? You don't want it any other way, but how do you keep them focused on, you know, what's ahead and what the ultimate goal is of getting to the getting back to the postseason? Yeah, they, I mean, I think that obviously everyone knows that there were probably five games circled on our schedule with perennial top 10 teams of North Haven, Prep, Greenwich, <laughs> Wilton, and, and New Canaan. So we, we've known this was coming for a long time. And um, I think the kids focus just last week during a bye week was spectacular just in terms of how kids respond in a bye week. Uh, but knowing Greenwich was uh, looming here, uh, they, they were pretty dialed in um, mentally and, and physically. Um, I think everyone on the staff, on the team, know what we need to do to win this game. And I think um, it's all hands on deck to, to get that accomplished. So, so coach, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're going to get a, if you don't have a good feel for your team now, you'll definitely get a really good feel for yeah. them this Saturday. So that's a really big one. And uh, 
you know, and, and I guess we'll kind of see what we're what the blue wave what the because everyone's kind of like wondering, yeah, all right, you're ranked nine, but it's kind of like a tentative nine. Yeah. You know, like, what do we got here? Because we again, you didn't see against North Haven. Fairfield Prep's kind of down, uh, you know, and then you had McMahon tough. But, uh, you know, that was your first game of the year. Um, and then obviously Norwalk. Uh, and that was kind of, that was a rally. It was, that was the first time you get really got a nice. But now you now you got a buy. So the nice bye week for you and you and Greenwich. Um, I'm sure we, you know, give you a nice. Uh, would you rather have a buy before them, and, or, or, or? No, I would like to play. I, I uh, playing four. We played three games, then a buy, and and um, I'd rather have, save that for um, later in the year when we played four or five in a row. Um, but it is what it is, and the whole state pretty much was quiet. Um, like you said, it, this is the test. I mean, our kids are excited. Our kids are ready, ready to compete. I'm sure Greenwich is, is ready to go. That there, there's no one hiding in this game. I, I think they're out there as the number one. We we've kind of come out to be the number nine team, and I think we both know what, what each other have. Um, so I, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be a great competition. Hopefully, on a on a nice Saturday afternoon, um, in both teams to to be physical and fast and, and put the best performance on we can. Oh, that sounds great. I mean, we're excited, Pete. Uh, well, one of us is going to be at that game, and the other will be at the Staples Wilton, which is all, and obviously another big yeah. one. So, uh, listen, uh, Coach, we appreciate you giving a little time. You know, you know, we'll see what the Blue Wave is about this year. Like, I'm, I'm excited to find out. Um, where, regardless of what game I go to, but uh, I'm excited to find out what what happens here. And you know, whatever happens, I'm sure we'll be seeing you guys down the road. I mean, four and zero start can't get much better than that. Even if you go to four and one, who cares at this point? You know, because the way the, the the playoffs are set up. But uh, you know. Don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but uh, we'll see what happens this week. Coach, we appreciate you coming on a little bit. You know, good job so far, We'll, we'll, we'll and we'll see you down the road. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for some time, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. All right, Coach. Thanks, thanks Coach. Appreciate it. So, Pete, Andy Grant, I don't know yet. We don't know yet about what the what – the, will the real blue wave stand up? We saw lots of defense. We've seen some offense. Still a team trying to find its identity. Uh but, you know, hey, and he's been there. He's been around. It's not like a, it's going to be much of a you know surprise to him. No, I think he's in a great spot. I mean, this look, you'll take four and oh, if I told him before the season, hey, coach will be four and oh, heading into Greenwich. He's going to take that. But, man, you look at that schedule and it is just weird. Forfeit win to North Haven. Right. You beat Brian McMahon on a very hard call in the back of the end zone that really could have gone either way. You beat prep 10 to two, you know, a couple of base hits away from, uh, from prep making that a game. And then you blow out Norwalk in a game. You should have won. So uh, jury is still very out for Darian. I have given them a little bit more love in my ballot. Um, but I'm really looking forward to see how they play against Greenwich. Again, I'm not saying Darian needs to go out here and win this game. But I need to see them compete with a team that's at a level that we think uh, is at the best in this state. And I need to see them compete in that game before I'm really, truly sold on anything. Yeah, well, of course, you know, we haven't seen them yet. Greenwich again, kind of proving themselves a little bit. But, you know, certainly not a Greenwich team, I think, at least. Remember, they lost twice last year. I don't think they're invulnerable by any stretch of the imagination. No. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think Greenwich is invulnerable at all. I agree. I just. Don't look at what Darian has done and been like, oh, here we go. Like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, North Haven, we never got to see. Prep 10 oh, to man. 2, a prep team that's 0 and 5. Like, they haven't done anything that's overly impressive. That's like, 
Oh, like I'm excited for this game, but I'm not sitting here being like, I don't know, Darian might be able to pull this off. Like, I don't think they can. And we'll talk about that on the other show. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of interesting. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's kind of interesting that that forfeit has kind of helped North Haven and Darian a little because the loser would have been certainly kind of no knocked back. Now, North Haven did get knocked back a bit. But still, maybe, you know, we don't we didn't a lot of teams didn't know much about them or how they would fare. I, I always say, now. I mean, the poll, it's just like the college football poll. And it's like, it's not when, it's not if you lose, it's when you lose. If you lose in week one, you lose in week two. People forget about it by week six. I mean, by, especially our voters. I, I, I mean, you know, sometimes you get to the point at certain points in the season, certain teams are ahead of other teams and they've beaten them. And it's like, oh, oh we we forgot what happened in week two. Right, so we'll get to find out more about them, uh, more about Darian this week. Another team I would love to know more about, we're finally going to get to know, Pete, obviously, is Wilton. Playing host Staples in, in a, uh, yeah, if it's not the top game, it's it's 1A. Uh, it's, I think they're both very similar games right now. I mean, Staples does have a loss. Um, Darian Grinch, don't you want to judge it by that. But Wilton, Pete, I'd love to see what, I, again, I saw them. Didn't get a good feel for him. I, you know, I saw them beat up on Berlin. I'm like, oh man, Berlin must stink. And then Berlin turned around, beat Benel, it beat, you know, a bunch of good teams. So yeah. I'm curious about uh, what uh, Wilton does when it gets to the FCAC. They've only won. They play Berlin, Norwalk, Platt, and then Ward. And now they get to buy. Then they here they come. Staples at home at New Canaan at Darien at McMahon and Fairfield Lolo back home and then Shelton just to top it all off. For Wilton, uh, the the rest of the way, that is a brutal. You're talking about brutal schedules. Now Shelton might scoff at this and, and prep, but that's a pretty brutal schedule. At least second yeah. Half well, EJ and Mike will meet at midfield before that game on the 17th, and EJ is going to say something. Oh man, the back half of this season has been real tough, and Mike's going to laugh at him and say, "Yes, the entire season has been tough for us." Thank you for pointing that out. Um, no, this is huge for Wilton. This is when you know boys will become men. And this is this is a make or break five game six game swing for this team. I mean, there are you know they got six games left. I think one is a is a guarantee. Um, I think Ludlow. I think Wilton's gonna you know I think Wilton can blow through them. But those other five games on the road, I mean, that's not going to be easy. I mean, we could we could stop talking about Wilton in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> They have the spotlight to themselves, at least. Uh, well, not to themselves, but they have the spotlight on them uh, on Saturday. Look, let's also back- point out quickly: Wilton a couple of years ago, they were kind of in a similar situation. Came out, beat Ridgefield. Came out, beat New Canaan. I'm all for Wilton being good if it means more EJ Denunzio dancing after the game with his team. I'm all in on that. Yeah, me too. Uh, we love it when coaches dance uh, following big wins. Jumping back to uh, last week a little bit, outside of the top 10, Pete, you had North Brantford going up to Granby. We had Anthony Salvati on last week, the coach of North Brantford. You know, Tommy Hansen facing Will Atnes. Uh Great game. You went up there. Uh, and, well, uh, what happened? It was the Will Atnes show, and uh, that was all she wrote. Oh, my God. What a performance by Granby Canton and Will. Yeah, he is a dude. I mean, he – look, I – I haven't really seen him much, but I remember his brother, Sam. And Sam was a good player. But Sam wasn't as big as Will is. So 
So I get there and I'm looking around. I'm like, where is Will? I'm like looking at here's this gigantic guy, and they were wearing black jerseys, black jersey number two, just a massive, massive man. And he uh he was great, very, very great after, you know, three rushing touchdowns, two fumble recoveries per touchdown, just an, an absolute dominant win by the uh, the Bears co-op. Well, I mean, didn't Will set a record there, Pete? He did. He did. M- tied the record for, from our boy Luke Marr, his teammate from last year, who had two fumble recoveries in the – in a game last season, which is the record. Luke also has the state record for most in a career, which is four. It was definitely a statement game, I think, for us. I mean, uh, people were saying we haven't played the most competition so far going into this week. And I mean, they were a 3-0 team. They've been tested, so I think it was a really good one to get going forward. You mentioned statement game. Did that mean you wanted to kind of play your, your A game tonight? Because it looked like it. Yeah, I mean, definitely wanted to play my A game. I mean, uh, Whole team did. Everyone was flying around being physical. I mean, that's all you can ask for. It's good football. And people in the state don't know about yet, but he, he's a dude. We've been saying that, you know, all year long. All conference kid. And so the, the, the work ethic he's put in all offseason has been amazing. Um, he's just the guy. He's everywhere. He had a great game. You got to hang out with uh, the record guy himself, Jerry DeSimus. I did. Uh, I was. What did he say? Look it up, Pete. Is that a record? Jer- yeah, he looked right at me. I, I turned to him. I said, hey, I think this is. Uh... I think this is a record. And Jerry's like, but I looked at Jerry. I'm like, do you know? Because, like, you do the record book. And he was like, no, you got to look it up. Got to look it up. So, like, we're, like, marking it. And, like, I'm sitting right next to Jerry going down the record book. And we were able to find it, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, listen, he's great. Um, and as you mentioned, over in Rockville, your boy, speaking of great, Amir Knighton, went hog wild, rushing for 269 yards and four touchdowns. As the Rams rip Cromwell, Portland, my guys, 36 to 20. Suddenly, the Pequot overall championship, you look back, it was scheduled for week one. Maybe the football gods, Pete, had something to do with it. Maybe they're like, wait, hold on a second. Let's play this game later. And they went out. They The game was already played week one. It was Rockville versus Granby Canton. Big showdown. Uh, the football gods said, oh, hold on. Let's build up some momentum to this thing. Let's stop this right where we are. We put it at gate week six. Uh, and uh, right now it is Rockville seven nothing late in the first half. As far as I remember, um, that game will go off on Thursday up at Granby Canton or Granby, I should say, Granby Memorial High School. Six o'clock. Be there, or be square to see the resumption of that classic again. Rockville already up seven nothing, uh, but uh, a very big game, Pete, in the uh, Pequot. Yeah, I, I actually. Got a text message. I think some people, I got a text message Friday night being like, oh, you went to Granby? You didn't want to come to Rockville? So, like, I think they were were a little upset that I decided to go to Granby on Friday. So I said, hey, maybe Thursday. And deep down, I was like, I'm not making this drive to Granby twice in six days. (laughs) That is a long, that is a long drive. Yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see. It's a good game, though. We we were there to start and. Then it went to what? It went to a Sunday. What was it? When, what had that happen? It went. It was a went Friday, Friday, Saturday, right? And then it was postponed twice, twice on Saturday. Once at ten o'clock in the morning because of referees, and then once later in the afternoon. And then the Pequot uh, athletic directors voted to move it to later in the year, as they did with a lot of games from that week one. Yeah. So now we start pick up where we left off. Seven nothing Rockville again. Should be a great one. So everyone get up there Thursday night. You have no excuse if you're a, a, a college, a high school football fan. 
Uh, so that's the Pequot, you know, moving over to the NVLP. We have Oxford. What a great story is brewing up there. Uh, the Wolverines off to the best start in school history at five and oh. And well, if you really want to <laughs> you want to look at it, it's only 14 year history, but you got to start somewhere. You got to set the bar. But uh, we were there a few weeks ago when they toppled bickering Seymour 17 to 14 for their first win over the Cats in 10 years. Our guy, Matt McGuire, this time against Woodland, threw for a touchdown and ran for the winning score. About three and change left as the Wolverines outscored Woodland 16 to nothing in the second half to stay unbeaten 16 to 13. And, uh, well, I mean, what can you say? Here's our guy, McGuire talking about it um well at halftime we talked about it we figured stuff out we figured i was working what wasn't working um and then michael went down you know i i was terrified to be honest with you our whole game plan was me and him you know and uh to lose my other half it sucks and um but we picked him up we picked him up off the field he did his job so it's time to do mine um, that's all I can say about that point. You know, 5-0 and for the first time in program history. What does that mean to you and the guys? Um, we've been waiting for this season for four years now. And uh, just to be playing the way we are and the way we wanted to, it just feels amazing because I knew what we were capable of coming into this season. And to now actually see it happening just means the world. Uh, you guys beat Seymour for the first time in like 10 years. Now you've beaten Woodland for the first time since 2017. What's it mean to beat those NBL rivals? Um, it feels great. I think um, beating Seymour was a big, was a big confidence boost. You know, coming into this game, you know Seymour's been beating up on us for plenty of years now, putting an end to it. Um, and then it made us believe in ourselves and come out here and play our game against Woodlands. And I think we did that. Awesome, man. Pete, I love that kid. Uh, kid plays with his heart on his sleeve. Broke his collarbone last year, as you recall. And uh, in that Seymour game, as they were driving, try to put that game away, uh, he looked like he almost did it again. He was on the pain, just absolutely bawling his eyes out. But, you know, afterward, after the Seymour game, uh, we all went up to him. We're like, are you all right? Are you, hopefully, you know, are you okay? The trainer was like an Adam. Everybody was like TBA. And he said he was fine. And sure enough, right back again. And I'm glad because what a great win over Woodland. And they're probably right now the, the story in the NVL. Yeah, I... We joked about it, I think, on the picks pod and, you know, with the crossover, the NVL and and how the divisions are split up. And no, Oxford was just like, we're just going to go beat Woodland. And, and you you look at their schedule and it's like they could be eight. No, kind of heading into a, a date with Ansonia, the second to last game of the year. I mean, stock is, you know, shout out to stock uh, SC, SCSU guy. Um, but I know you know you you and him go back, Sean, and uh, this is a this has been a big work in progress for them. You know, he's Joe's been the coach there since day one, I believe. Yeah, and um, and they've never been to the playoffs, and this might be his best group that he's had. So to see them put it together, and you know, I don't want to look too far ahead. I'm not jinxing no, anything, I'll but I'll you know, look we too can far ahead in history. Yeah, I'm just saying we could we could be seeing history here, and I think I, that that's really cool. I said in the guide that that was a playoff qualifier. And sure enough, I think that that's going to do it for them. They got to play in Sonia. Uh, and, you know, they've got I know they have Torrington in there. And speaking of Torrington, it looked like that might have been a big game. Uh, November 3rd before the Ansonia game. Well, Torrington lost Kennedy 34 uh, 28. Shout out to the uh, to the Eagles who just trolled us hard on Instagram after they uh, knocked off the Raiders. 
Julius Cabin ran for 141 yards and two touchdowns, just eight carries. That's a great job, eh? <laughs> Look at them on Instagram, just yeah, we don't care and going nuts. Absolutely wonderful job by them. And uh, hey, who knows? Uh, we love it. Like we said, we love when the the school, the city schools rise up and show us a thing or two. And uh, that's it right now in the NVL. And I, speaking of teams that we completely misjudged, Guilford team I said was not going to lose until at least Thanksgiving. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something about Guilford. They lost to Hillhouse, a team that hadn't won a game yet. In fact, they were looked they they got beat a few weeks ago by Bristol Eastern, two nothing. Well, <laughs> what can I tell you? Congratulations to Walter Gibb and the Axe beating the once thought by me unbeaten Guilford Grizzlies twenty to fourteen. Elijah McLean ran for touchdowns of seventy and twenty six yards to lead the academic to their first win. Maybe the first of many to come. It just takes a, one, a little bit, right? You just need that first one to, to get you over the hump, and now you get your confidence going. So a big one for the academics, knocking off an undefeated team. And Guilford, a, a team that has its sights on also making the playoffs for the first time. I, I think, unfortunately for everybody, I don't think this – I mean, maybe this is a warning sign for Guilford, but I don't think uh, you should read too much into this. I think they will be playoff bound uh, uh, later on. And just kind of moving over to the CCC, your boy, Pete. Our boy, Evan Anderson, a year to the day that his father died. If you remember that, he caught a touchdown pass in that game, and he also got injured from the season against East Hartford last year in that game. In this game against Connard, he caught a touchdown. He got three touchdown passes uh, in honor of his dad and his quarterback, C.J. DiBenedetto, who had a, just a brutal game last week and a, a loss to Hall, uh, threw for seven touchdowns and 351 yards as Southerton snapped a uh, two-game losing streak. I couldn't tell you the last time they went, they lost three in a row. I'd have to go back maybe into the 90s to, to find that. But uh, a really good job by him, and uh, you know, very nice. Uh, we're really happy for for Evan Pete. Yeah, it was, it was really great to see. Uh, the Record Journal, where I worked for three wonderful years, uh, their Twitter account, whoever's at that game, is like, Going like, you know, CJ threw another touchdown in the first quarter. And I'm just sitting there being like, if only he threw one of those last week. <laughs> yeah. But great to see CJ is, an, is a heck of a quarterback. It was great to see for Evan. Uh, our boy Rashad Williams had, I think, three catches for over 103 touchdowns or four catches for three touchdowns. Um, this is the Southington that we've come to expect to see. Not seven touchdown passes in each game because only, I think, three other quarterbacks in state history have done it. Uh, I believe it's Michael Collins, Tanner Kingsley's did it twice, and Manson at Bloomfield. If I'm oh, yeah, correct. Jason Manson. Bloomfield, yeah. Jason Manson and Collins had nine. Kingsley Collins did eight nine. twice. Yeah, Manson and Collins did nine, and Kingsley did eight twice. Nine. So that's, that's who you have to beat. Uh, but, no, that's great. That's great for Southington. There is one team I did want to give a little shout out to. The VGW Tech Co-op beat O'Brien Tech on Friday, 18 to 8. It was their first win since November 27th, 2019. Wow. That is 1,410 days between wins. Still coached by Doug Jackson. So Doug Jackson helped create the vinyl program many years ago uh, before my time. My roommate from college, uh, Seb, played for Doug at Vinyl Tech. So Seb is 
in my taxes every week about vinyl, and I don't really have much to tell him. Um, so it was nice. I got to text him Friday night and be like, hey, buddy, VGW won. Uh, but yeah, first win in 1,410 days. So congrats to uh, to Vinyl Tech, to, to Goodwin Tech, Whitney Tech. Uh, first win in a long time. So that that's pretty cool. Why don't we just stay in the CTCP? About, how about Abbott Tech Immaculate? 0-4 versus the SWC as a program. You know, they get the crossovers with the Alliance. They got to play Bethel. 44-16 ATI in their first SWC victory. Nice work, Pete, by Rikey Saunders running for a pair of touchdowns in the victory. So uh, lots of uh, you know milestones being broken there in the CTC. Now all they got to do is win a playoff game, and then we'll be off and running. So, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to circle quickly back to the CCC. Uh, EO Smith, Sam DeJesus, 101 yards, two TDs on eight, on eight carries, two pickoffs, to beat Avon 28-27. And Middletown finally breaking the Manchester stall. Remember, they were undefeated Manchester. We're starting to get DMs about them. 12-7. to Couldn't tell you much about that game because nobody sent anything in. So, uh, yeah. So, it was a busy, busy bye week. And we got lots coming up uh, This in this week six. We have the NVLs is off. The SEC is still pretty much on, though. We're going to have half and half right now. Uh, the ECC is back in action. The FCX back back in action. The CCC is pretty much off. And am I missing some? Who am I missing here? Oh, the SWC, right? Yeah, the They're SWC back. is back. They're back in action too. So you know, we get that by week, and then we we go into the uh, mid season. We have a mid season report coming up, and all that goody stuff. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, so here we are. We're we're getting <laughs> creeping closer. It's getting dark. Can we talk about some? Connecticut High School alums this weekend. Oh, Jason yeah, Pinnock, absolutely. 102-yard interception return. I'm at a one-year-old's birthday party on Long Island, and he makes the pickoff, and he's running down, and I'm like, New Haven Register All-State 2016. Everyone looked at me. I'm like, none of you understand that. Uh, <laughs> Zach Allen had a sack on uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, I was the only one at this one-year-old birthday party cheering because they were all Jet fans. But I'm like, Zach Allen! Uh, Rondell Boytrum from EO Smith played Bothroyd. so good. Bothroyd played so great in the Oklahoma win over Texas. Yeah, this past week he had he was on. I saw some highlights on Twitter. Um, it was sick. Uh, then I don't want to. Tyler Van Dyke didn't play high school football in Connecticut. Well, I guess he played one year for Glastonbury. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a what a disaster at the end of that game for Miami. But just like Connecticut kids, I it was just really cool. No, they were listen. I, we get we had a comment on. I don't even think he's from here, but he he listened to us. It was a YouTube comment on here, and it was like, well, "Why do these guys care so much about Connecticut football? Connecticut couldn't hold the kettle to Florida and, and California, Texas, and, and I'm just like, who says we sh- we would? Who cares? <laughs> That's the yeah. other thing. And by the way, it's not like we don't have a bunch of you know power five players and NFL players out there. Oh wait, wait a second. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, Connecticut yeah. does per capita. Connecticut does very well. We're not Florida. We're not Texas. We're not California. You know, we're not a lot of states, but we do very well. I mean, if you want to look around uh, New England and the Northeast, we do. We hold on. We're not Jersey either. You know, and Massachusetts, just by the sheer size of Massachusetts, might do a little bit better. But I listen, Connecticut is very, yeah, we're, very well. We're not, but we're not Texas, but. Rondell helped beat Texas. We're not Florida, but Tyler Van Dyke starts for Miami. Yeah. 
Tyler Van Dyke who played at Suffield Academy. And, you know, let me just. He played Glastonbury freshman year. So he sort of counts. But no, that's still nobody sort of. He counts, period. He played Connecticut football. He played it. Suffield Academy, last I checked, Pete, is in Connecticut. (laughs) Speaking of prep schools, I went up to Avon for Avon All Farms Brunswick Saturday night after watching St. Joseph get demolished by New Canaan. I was looking for a little, you know, more competitive high school football game. In the prep schools, they they certainly helped me out. Now, along with Cheshire Academy and Choate, both which are undefeated, Avon All Farms officially established itself as the team's one of the teams to beat in the NEPSAC with a 31-21 victory over Brunswick at Rainy Ryan Field Saturday. Pete, it was miserable. And look at this. Former Syracuse coach when I was there and former UConn coach Paul Pasqualoni in the house helping coach the line at Avon All Farms. He's looking just about as miserable as everybody else. Maybe he was wishing he was still coaching for the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, Owen Moreland, a junior from Beverly, Mass., Bolts down the right sideline to get Avon an early 6-0 lead. But Brunswick rallies back thanks to this guy, Bryce Davis. Just an exceptional year so far despite Brunswick's struggles. He returns the ball all the way back on the ensuing kickoff and then tacks on a rushing touchdown to give the Bruins a 14-6 lead late in the second quarter. It looks like it's going to stay that way when Ethan Long from Milford downs his punt down at 3. But that's plenty of time left. For Georgia commit, Ryan Puglisi, the quarterback, Avon Farms quarterback, marches his team down the field, 97 yards, capping a capping the drive with a 37-yard touchdown pass to Connor Cronin, the first of two times those would hook up today. Still, Brunswick hanging on to a 14-12 lead at the break and into the fourth quarter. The rain is let up, but a bad Avon Old Farm snap results in a fumble. It's pounced on by Brunswick Thomas Pope and a chance for the Bruins to make this a two-score game late in the fourth quarter. But after taking a crack at the end zone, Brunswick coughs it up itself. Owen Moreland hops on it. What a game he had. And Avon All Farms in business at midfield. Zip, zip, zip. Down the field goes Avon All Farms. Chiron Craig and Moreland rip off huge gains deep into Brunswick territory. And Chiron Craig caps the drive with a five-yard go-ahead touchdown run to give Avon All Farms a lead for good, 18 to 14. After the Bruins turned the ball over on downs, Puglisi with the hard clap gets the Bruins to jump off sides. And while everybody's sleeping, he hits Cronin again, this time for a 41 yard touchdown pass. Later on, he'd add, add another score from 30 yards out. 31 21, Bruins scored late with Bryce Davis. And that was that. They're sitting pretty at 3 0 in the Founders League with big games still ahead. But right now, Avon All Farms can celebrate. They're undefeated, and here's Puglisi. I mean, all summer long, all preseason long, we had a, our saying on the back of our jersey was close to gap. But we lost all three games last year, a total of 23 points. Brunswick concluded, we lost to Brunswick last year by four points. And, and the recipe for us closing that gap was toughness. Exactly what this was today was toughness. And we just played that the whole entire game. We knew we were gonna hand the ball off, we knew we were gonna run it more than we throw it. And basically, we're just going to oppose our will on the team. And that's exactly what we did. You know, I have the utmost respect for Coach McGillicuddy and, and their program in Brunswick. And to me, they're, they're where we wanted to be, obviously. And that's been a, a mantra of, you know, our whole entire year. And closing the gap from the teams, the Choate and the Choate Loomis and um, Brunswick that beat us last year and, and take it to another level. And I think when you're playing against a team that is extremely well coached, extremely talented, and, and has lost uh, two heartbreaking losses, you know they're going to play 
with an unbelievable amount of gusto. And for us to go through that environment, continue to fight, get down, not things go our way, and really fight through and make big plays when the opportunities came. I'm extremely proud of the kids. Um, and it's a great win for our program and for the team. It's looking like them and Choate, and that big game between them and Choate is at home at Avon November 4th. We got a few weeks to go for that. But barring any surprises, uh, it looks like those two are going to, that game is going to be for who reps the Founders League in the big overall game uh, in the next section. We'll see where Treasure Academy is by then. But, you know, right now, that is where we are. We shall see. So because of the bye week, we decided, you know, we need to add a little more spice to these these programs. I thought it's been a pretty good show so far, but I want to add a little more spice. I want to get a little more interaction. Everyone seems we like beginning with Shelton and all the guys we see out of out at out in the field. A lot of even referees coming up to me. Oh, we love the podcast, but I love that you guys watch. So we decided to add a little wrinkle to it. We're going to add a little mailbag here and where you just ask us ask us some questions that maybe we won't get to in the course of a of a uh, of a talk. Uh, of a podcast, I should say. And uh, so what do we got here? Let's go to our mailbag. We asked you to post comments at the bottom of last week's episode. And a few of you guys did uh, beginning with random brew who uh, loves the channel. Everyone should subscribe and watch. I cannot agree with you more random. Uh, he's got two questions and he, and he prefaces, but he roots for cheese, a big Cheshire fan. The question is, what do you think should be done about the disparity of unbalanced schedules for teams battling for the same playoff spots? He brings up double M. You look at the top three teams. Wilton plays only two other double M teams. Cheshire plays only one double M team, North Haven. And North Haven only has two games in double M's. And the 24 of the remaining games scheduled for those teams are against L or double L teams. The scheduling doesn't seem to make any logical sense. And beyond the problems that the SEC tier one teams face, with the gauntlet that is their schedule. Are there any creative solutions that you could suggest to remedy these issues? You want to handle this one, Peter? Uh, or, or should I handle it? <laughs> tear it down, start over, uh, schedule by class. I mean, these are things that we have discussed before on the show, um, but it, it, it is a big issue. I mean, you know, we talk about Sheehan and class S not playing S schools. I believe they're double S now, but, you know, a lot of these teams aren't competing against teams that they're fighting for playoff spots for. Um, it's a huge disadvantage. And you look, I mean, those three schools, Wilton, Cheshire, North Haven, all should make the double M playoffs. So if I'm them, I'm happy because when I get to the playoffs, you've played double L's and L's. But who should be pissed is the double L schools, the other double M schools who only play double M schools or the double M schools that play Smaller schools take Platt for example. Platt is three and one, right? They played Wilton, right? But Ram, Rocky Hill, Bristol Eastern, South Windsor, Farmington, EO Smith, and then Malone. That schedule does not compare to what Cheshire, Wilton, and North Haven are going to have to go through. So those three teams, if they get into the playoffs, they're going to be they're going to be thrilled. It's going to be cakewalk. It's the other teams that should be really pissed. And then you look at Xavier. So Xavier's going to get in probably double M, playing in the same division as Cheshire and North Haven. Same conference as Cheshire and North Haven, completely different schedules. What you have to do is tear the whole thing down, get yep. rid of conferences. Yep. Conferences don't mean anything. You know, I don't care about your, you know, shoreline West title. Okay. Get rid of conferences and schedule by your class. Whether we keep classes, we go to a division format. That's what your regular season should schedule by. That's who you should compete against. And then, yes, if a five and five team gets in, then 
fine, but a five and five team battled against their own division, their own class. So I agree with Pete. I've said this ad nauseum. I've gone on and on about this for the better part of the last 10, 12 years. Uh, we need to go like the rest of the country. We need to go to a kind of a you know, district model slash, you know, regional schedule. I, no, no Massac going to Killingly just because Killingly is double M. None of that. We we need to do Massac plays, you know, a lot of double M schools that are in its or whatever M schools in its area or L schools, wherever it have you. You know, I think it's hard to do. It's never going to come out perfect. There's no perfect way to do this. I actually sat there and tried to do double L regional scheduling. And what screws it really up is the three Waterbury schools are all double L. Everywhere else, it's great. It matches up perfectly, but you got to find a place for them. And unfortunately, you almost got to put them in a, in a division with Cheshire, Amity, and Southington and uh, West Haven, you know, as currently the enrollments go. So listen, it's not going to be perfect, but there needs to be, maybe, you, maybe you offset that by creating a better, you know, system. Not, it not just, it's not just done by class, but it's also done by, you know, some performance or, you know, maybe some resources. I've even suggested doing like having a, a like a, I don't know, like a like a lower class, to, like a division two, so to speak, or a, and like or a division three where you have to play your way up. I don't know. There's a lot you could do, but I think the base we need to do, Pete, is we need to go to a regional scheduling because this is it's it's insanity the way they do it. It really is. I mean, it's great for the teams that win state championships, but it's just it the scheduling makes zero sense. Period. End of discussion. Um, all right, let's move on to another question quickly from the same guy, Random Brew. Speaking of unbalanced schedules and resume, what more does West Haven have to do to get some first place votes? Uh, I find it hard to believe that anyone can look at their schedule and see what they've done and, and onward and onward. And all right, well, I'm going to start off here by saying, uh, well, number one, uh, Greenwich is number one. They were number one last year. And how voters do it in the state is they take the number one from last year, nine times out of 10, and they will carry it over, especially if the team is figure like Greenwich is this year to have more to have you know a good amount of players back and then everyone kind of is it fair yeah maybe not maybe you want to start this poll like uh like the coaches one you start at week two or something like that but the way we do it we like to do it here we like to try to have a little more fun with it so the rankings start the preseason we like to try and figure out who's number one but it really with West Haven's schedule I think listen a lot of people who are looking at West Haven right now and they're like what makes what doesn't make them number one well uh, nothing really. You can vote the number one if you want. I mean, just Greenwich just happens to have not lost yet. They also beat Maloney. So that was big. You know, they came back and they beat the, a good Stanford team. And, uh, so that's where they are. But West Haven, yeah, sure has the better resume, but you know, well, we shall see. Um, there's also, they play North Haven. In two there's weeks. also like, we talked about this earlier in terms of the poll and, you know, when you lose, right. But also where you start. Fairfield Prep was number three when the season began. Greenwich beat them week one. Okay, so that's technically, if you want to play that game, that's a top three win. According to RPI, according to the way you do it in college, like that's a top three win, right? Obviously, that is not the case, and Fairfield Prep is 0-5. But at the time, it was a top three win for Greenwich. Then they go and they beat Maloney, who I believe was also in the top three, or is that were they in the top four? No, they were three. They were three. All right, so Greenwich has two top three wins this year, technically. Yep. Now, is that how it'll shake out at the end of the year? Probably not. But at the moment, Greenwich has two top three wins, according to our poll. West Haven has two top ten wins, according to our poll. That said, 
this person has said that they have seen both, and they are both very talented teams. I have as well. And I said this on last week's show, is that West Haven is prone to more mistakes that I would like to see them clean up before I move them ahead of Greenwich. It's not, I think when you vote after five to 15, it's maybe it's a little different, but that number one vote holds a lot of weight. And uh, it's not easy to shift it off of, you know, I, you know, you stuck your flag in Greenwich. It's going to take a lot to get you to flip it if they keep winning. Um, and this person also adds that I'd punish Ansoni in the polls because they're scheduled. Um, I don't punish Ansoni in the polls because of the schedule. I don't vote for them because of their schedule. I'm not punishing them. I'm just not voting for them. They're not in the poll being punished. They're just not in my poll. Um, but I also don't vote for Bloomfield. So I vote for the bigger schools. That's how I've always been. Um, I don't vote for teams just because they want to stay championship. I just, I just have never been like that. I've just, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I vote. I actually vote for Bloomfield, although, um, you know, I don't know why specifically they beat, I think just because they beat Masic. Um, I actually have them pretty high, relatively speaking. I don't know. I'll have to look at that again. But I mean, I have voted Ansonia. Um, it's just, you know, when you, it's hard. It's hard because Ansonia pound for pound and it's top 11 can, can play with most other teams. It just, you just don't get to see it. And that's a, that's an issue. So it's hard for me to vote them much higher than what, than, than 10. Um, especially nowadays, like back in the old days, you know, when they had some dudes and they're playing against other dudes from other comp, like New London, playing, you know, beating uh, uh, Jordan Reed. You know, those are big time teams they played. It was a lot easier to make them number one in 06 and 07. They don't face those type of teams like Holy Cross back then was just incredible. And they beat them. Yeah, so, it it's, it's different. It's harder, and the NVL harder. and the NVL hasn't done any favors in terms of like success. So it's not like Ansonia is beating Naugatuck on Thanksgiving and then Naugatuck is, you know, making a run to Winning the L state finals. Champion. No, they're not. No. They're losing in the first round of the playoffs every year. Doesn't you know, they got in in 2018, right? Ansonia beats Naugatuck. Naugatuck, I think, is like the one or two in L. And then they go and they lose to Platt. Yeah. And it's like, well, how much weight am I going to put in this Ansonia win now? Right. And it's yeah, a shame. The, it. the NVL they beat is not whole. Yes, yeah. But it's just like you just you, you feel bad for Ansonia in that way is that the NDVL is not really doing anything. And then take it to the flip side, you got Holy Cross beats, you know, Woodland on, on the season opener in this overtime game. And you're like, you know, oh, Holy Cross is good. Then Holy Cross gets, you know, blown out by Naugatuck. And then Woodland loses to Oxford. And now you're sitting there and you're going, is anyone going to compete with Ansonia? Because it doesn't seem like it. So they're going to go. They're going to go win S. They're going to beat Bloomfield, who beat Masic, who lost their quarterback at halftime. That was the only reason they were able to keep Masic out of the end zone in the second half. And then you start to kind of put it together. And you're like, well, they didn't really play anybody. And that's a shame. And uh, as Shelton will attest to, you know, you need a little more. You need some depth to at least hang in there in SEC Tier 1. I don't care who you are. You know, that's a that's a tough, tough. You you play in those and you're gonna lose some games. I don't care who you are. So Santana gonna play in those leagues. No. They're, they're in class S. They're a small school. So yeah. I don't, you know, that's that's another factor. It's not like it was fifteen years ago. I mean, just isn't. 
So that'll be it for the mailbag this week. If you want a question to be possibly answered on that, we still have others we'd like to, we'll get to eventually. But if you want to ask more questions, uh, just drop a comment, uh, like, and subscribe, and uh, drop a comment at the bottom of the YouTube page. And uh, that'll wrap it up here for a week five to going into six podcast. One more week of buys. Then we're back to regular order as we head into late October and start the playoff drive. We'll start looking at playoff points. We'll start looking at which playoff divisions are the strong ones, which ones are the really weak ones. And there are some weak ones already. If you just look at the playoff standings, yikes. I hate six playoff divisions. That needs to change. It's ridiculous. That's what I'll say about that for now. But uh, that's it, Pete. A week six in the books. And... Uh, Onward we go. So, for people, I am Sean Patrick Bowley. This has been the Meat Grinder on the Love you all. 